everyone. Welcome to Dig Deep. Have you ever known someone who owned an untamed animal? Our first experience with friends, neighbors who owned an untamed animal was actually our first apartment that we lived in as a newlywed couple. We lived in a cute little one-bedroom place that was tiny but just the right size for us on the fourth floor of a walk-up building. And shortly after we moved in, we met some new neighbors that moved in right next door to us. And they were also a young couple, but they had just purchased a puppy. And the puppy that they chose for their tiny apartment on the fourth floor of a walk-up building was a Great Dane. They thought that would be the best choice for that living situation. And so, of course, this Great Dane puppy was already the size of several large full-grown dogs, but inside a puppy's body with puppy-like behavior. And this puppy truly was adorable, um, but quite large and, and quite active as a puppy. Well, we got to know them a little bit over the next couple months, and then they were in a situation where they were going to be gone for an extended day. They were going to be gone all day, and so instead of taking the dog out at the end of their work day like they normally did, they needed someone to cover that for them. So they asked if we'd be willing to just go over and take the dog out for a walk and then give her some fresh food and water and put her back in their apartment. And so we said, yeah, that's not a big deal. We can definitely do that. So my husband um, took her out for this first walk and came back with this look of horror on his face. And my husband and I both grew up with dogs. And so walking a dog, picking up poop was really not that foreign to us. But I asked him, how did it go? What happened? And he said, well, it was like trying to control a small horse on a leash. And then she pooped. And I said, yeah, you brought a bag with you, right? And he said, I did. And it's a good thing I brought a big one because it was a two-handed job. And I said, really? Like that big? How big was her poop? And he said, think a standard loaf of bread. And I don't know if he was exaggerating, but it was a lot of poop. But again, it was not a huge deal. We took her for a little walk, refreshed her food and water, and then they came home late that evening. So they actually asked us to do that a couple times for them. And, and again, it wasn't a huge deal, so we did. But then after we'd known them for a few more months, they were getting ready to go on a trip and they were going to be gone for three or four days, I think. And they asked if we'd be willing to do the same kind of thing, but a couple times during the day before work and after work and, and maybe one extra time if we could just to get her out and about and make sure she had food and water while they were gone. And we said, yeah, I mean, that's not a problem for a couple of days. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Well, the day before they were scheduled to leave the wife of the couple came over and said, you know, I am so sorry. I am just having so much anxiety about leaving Zoe, the Great Dane, for all three days. I know you guys are going to be over there taking her out, but I just think she's going to be so lonely. And so we've decided, no, she didn't ask, she just sort of stated, we've decided that it'd be best if she just came and stayed in your apartment for three days. So we'll bring all, over all our stuff tomorrow morning, bright and early. So we were, of course, a little taken aback by this, but we, we said, okay, we, we were trying to be good neighbors. We we can do that. That's that's fine. That'll be fine. So the next morning, it's a Saturday morning and 7 a.m., we hear a knock at the door and we are still rubbing the sleep out of our eyes. When we open the door, they let Zoe go into our apartment 
And what happened next was like something out of a nightmare. I actually had to pinch myself to make sure that I wasn't still dreaming that morning because she came in and immediately started running in the fastest circles around the middle of our little apartment that I've ever seen. And this all seemed completely normal to the couple because they walked in like it was totally fine and started to explain to us, you know, and and put their the crate together, which was the biggest thing I'd ever seen. It was bigger than our dining room table at the time. It took up basically all the floor space in our little living area. They start setting this up. And while they do, and they're talking completely normally, Zoe begins jumping from our couch to our love seat to the floor, from the couch to the love seat to the floor, again, in these incredible furious circles of speed. And while doing so, she is using her tail, which some Great Danes have dock tails. Zoe did not. So it's more like a whip attached to her butt that is knocking over picture frames, vases, and her owners are acting like this is completely normal. They did not hesitate. They did not correct her. They just kept moving on and explaining the details. Meanwhile, I am scrambling to grab anything that I think could potentially be broken and move it out of the way. Well, they they finished explaining the, the situation and then they said, okay, well, great. We'll have a great couple of days. And then they were gone. And the next couple of days, we discovered that not only does Zoe love jumping all over furniture, she loves slobbering all over it, sleeping on it jumping and chewing on it. She was very accustomed to grabbing food right off of the table or the counter in the kitchen. So we held things over our heads for several days. And that tail of hers was very good at stinging you in the leg if she got really excited or knocking over anything within arm's reach of this horse that we had staying in our apartment for three days. An untamed animal does damage. It doesn't matter if it's a happy, slobbering dog or if it is a vicious, untamed beast from the wild. Untamed animals do damage. And getting a wild animal under control requires strict, intense training. And so we're continuing our series today, Taming the Beast, where we're looking at James chapter 3, which teaches us about how to tame the tongue. Is it possible to tame this wild beast inside of us? In James chapter 3, in verse 7, we read, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Our tongues, our speech is like an untamed animal. James says it's like a restless evil. So I picture a restless animal pacing back and forth, unpredictable and wild. It might smile and have pleasant conversation with and kiss someone one minute and then turn and bite that person the very next minute. It's untamed and wild. And as frustrated, hugely frustrated as I was with Zoe, the Great Dane, I know that there have been times in my life, many times in my life, when I've behaved exactly like her. I mean, she stings people with her whip of a tail but I've been known to sting somebody with, with a, a careless joke that I thought was funny and, and lighthearted, but I found out later really stung. 
someone that I care about. And she knocks over picture frames and damages furniture. But I've been known to get too intense about vocalizing my own opinion or getting too heated in an argument. And I've done damage to things that mean a lot to me, to relationships that I really care about. So to review what we talked about last week, last week we talked about the tongue as a fire, as James described, and how we need to learn to contain it so that we don't burn the relationships in our lives. And so we said we need to learn to shut up, back up, and check up with God about where this fire is coming from and learn to control it. And last week, the principles help us protect our lives from the fires that can cause damage to our lives, the fires that can be started by our tongue. They can burn bridges of relationship, or they can start a chain of events that can damage every area of our life and burn people around us or or burn us personally. And really, last week, everything that we talked about is like Obedience School 101. It's learning to shut up. It's learning to sit and stay, if we're using the dog metaphor, this animal metaphor. And for a lot of people who are training their dog, that's good enough. They they master that, the sit and stay, and that solves a lot of problems. I mean, a dog that can do those tricks is a pretty decent dog to be around, and so they stop there. But today, today is for those of us who don't want to just stop at Obedience School 101. We want to excel in our communication. We want to be known as someone whose words carry weight. We want our words to have a real impact on those around us, to influence decisions. We, we want to have a voice in the conversation. If you're someone who you want people to lean in and listen to what you have to say, then today is for you and today is for me because I, I want to excel in my communication. I want my words to have weight. And so what we're learning today boils down to one question, just one question. And it's a question that God gives us in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4.29, we read, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I memorized this verse in high school at the prompting of a snarky Bible study leader of mine who, when she found out that my birthday was April 29th, 429, she said, oh, Jess, you should memorize this this passage. I mean, it'll be so easy for you to remember since it's your birthday, and it'd be a really good one for you to memorize. And she was teasing me, but she was right. I mean, I was I was known for my untamed tongue in high school. I I had a witty, snarky comment for anyone. I was really interested in debate and arguing. I was sarcastic. And I needed to memorize this scripture. And it offers us a question. I don't know if you caught it. We're not supposed to let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. But here's the filter. But only what is helpful for building others up, only what is helpful for benefiting those who listen. So here's the question. Is this helpful? Is what I'm about to say helpful to those around me? Can you just imagine how wonderful of a place the world would be 
if people only said things that were genuinely helpful to those around them, this would be a world where those coworkers who who always have a negative biting comment or some nasty gossip to share would just keep it to themselves. This is a world where that family member doesn't force their opinions when everybody's stuck at the Thanksgiving table around the turkey. They, they force their opinion on everyone. This is a world where you scroll through your feed and there isn't a single post or a single tweet that is anything other than helpful where you can walk away from reading your feed and feel like you were genuinely helped and benefited by what you read. Is what I'm about to say helpful? And we all have someone in our life that we would love to strap this filter over their mouth like a muzzle and say, please do not say another word that is not helpful. I'm tired of it. But while we can't do that for other people, we can do it for ourselves. We can ask ourselves this question, is this helpful? And back in high school, when I first memorized Ephesians 4.29, and this question became a question that I asked myself, tried to ask myself before I spoke, one of the areas in my communication that very quickly came to the surface that needed work that was untamed and wild was my use of sarcasm. I was so sarcastic. I was known for my sarcasm. I used it in humor. I used it to sting people in arguments. I used sarcasm every day. I was so sarcastic. I I was known for it. But once I started considering this filter, this question, is this helpful? It quickly became apparent sarcasm is not helpful. I mean, it might help me get a laugh or it might help me sting someone if that's really what I want to do, but it was never, literally never helpful for building someone else up. Never. And so it was one of the first beasts that I tried to wrestle into submission and I felt like I was wrestling an alligator. I didn't realize how sarcastic I really was until I started trying to get that part of my communication under control. And in the several years since then, so many different aspects of my communication have reared their ugly heads as I've asked this question. Is this helpful? Just a few that have come to the surface for me, and maybe these will come to the surface for you as you ask this question. One is complaining. I have never thought about myself as a complainer. I know people who are complainers, and you probably know them too. You know, these are the people that... They complain no matter what the circumstance. I mean, if it's raining, they're complaining that their shoes are wet. If it's a beautiful sunny day, they'll complain that the leather seats in their car are too hot. I mean, it does not matter the circumstance. They will find something to complain about. And I never thought I was a complainer until in high school, I went on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic and the missionaries that we worked with there, they gave us like three or five, I don't even remember how many ground rules for the trip. Like here are the basic team rules that we're all going to agree to abide by for this trip. And I don't remember any of them except one, because this one rule has stuck with me even to today, so many years later. The rule was, we are not going to state the obvious. We're not going to state the obvious. And they made this really clear to us. They said, we know it's hot. You don't have to tell us it's hot. You don't have to tell us that you're feeling hot. It's hot. We're all hot. We know we're hot. We know that you're tired. We are all tired. 
It has been an exhausting, long day. We know you're tired. No stating the obvious. And this was really difficult for us the first couple of days because most of us had never experienced heat like the summer in the Dominican Republic in an unair conditioned van driving all over the country. And we were hot. It was hot. And it is so easy to just state the obvious. It's hot. I'm hot. And every time we did, the first couple of days, it was met with a gentle reminder No stating the obvious, please. And by the end of the trip, we were all pretty good at it. And I realized that we were better off for it too. Because stating the obvious, especially when it comes in the form of complaining, it's sort of like venting. I mean, it feels good on a level in the moment. It feels natural. It's the natural thing to do. But just because it's the natural thing to do doesn't mean that it's helpful for benefiting those around us. Another area that's similar is gossip. It feels natural to gossip. I don't know why. Why we gossip is fascinating to me. Why on earth do we do this? It's like we hear a piece of news. It could be about a random stranger that we've never met or about someone we know personally, but we hear this piece of news, good or bad, and it swells inside of us like a helium balloon. And we feel like we are absolutely going to pop if we don't share this news with somebody. Why? Why is that? And I'm not sure, but I think it feels good deep down to know about other people's lives. Maybe when we know dirt about other people's lives, it makes us feel a little bit better about our own dysfunction or about our own dirt. We feel like we're we're not the worst people on the planet. Other people are kind of screwed up too. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe with good news, we, we just want to know what's going on in people's lives because we're nosy and curious. I don't know. And so I, I don't know if it's for you, it's, it's celebrity gossip from magazines that, that you just want to spew and talk about with your friends and coworkers, or if it's news headlines or good old fashioned office gossip, or one of my favorites, which is the Christian prayer request gossip, which is, oh, please be praying for so-and-so because I don't know if you heard, but blah, blah, blah. Why do we gossip? Many psychologists argue that gossip is totally natural, but just because it may be natural doesn't mean it's helpful. Is what I'm about to say helpful? Is it helpful? And the same is true of swearing. Now, I'm not a person who's known for a lot of swearing, but I have definitely been guilty of it in my life. And I'm I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by swearing. Why do we swear? And Psychologists have found that that usually swearing boils down to to two basic needs that it meets for us. We use it to inflict pain or to relieve pain. And I'm sure there are other other uses for it, but I, I thought that really makes a lot of sense. That that boils it down for me pretty well. And we know that swearing releases adrenaline in the brain. Oh, delicious adrenaline. We talked about adrenaline last week. It triggers our fight or flight instincts and we are superheroes when adrenaline gets going. And swearing is just one of the tools we use to do that. Professor Richard Stevens studied the pain-relieving benefits of cursing by having groups of students in this experiment immerse their hands in into ice water. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but it becomes very painful very quickly. And he had two groups. And the first group was told to yell at the top of their lungs, 
the swear word of their choice. Repeat, just swearing, swearing, swearing the whole time. And the other group was told to choose an innocent, innocuous word and yell that at the top of their lungs for as for the duration of the time that they had their hands in the ice water. And what he found is that the group of students who use, used a swear word were able to keep their hands in the ice water longer and they reported lower levels of pain after the experience because of their swearing. And Dr. Stevens says swearing increases the heart rate and sets off the body's fight or flight response, which actually helps us with pain tolerance. And this explains a lot. I mean, I'm guessing you're putting the pieces together as to why maybe you have done some swearing in the past or someone you know does some swearing. When my husband was in college, he was playing in a friendly game of football. It was an annual tradition at the school where he went. It was known as the Reformation Bowl. And yes, it was a friendly football game between the Catholic student ministry students and the Protestant student ministry students. And it was during this fateful football game that my poor husband, my sweet, kind, loving husband, tore the ACL in his right knee and dropped the F-bomb right in front of Father Jude, representing all of the Protestants with pride and joy in front of the Catholic campus minister. And, you know, we can laugh and, and we could argue swearing is really natural. It's something that we do to emphasize a point or to express our frustration or our anger Yes, swearing may seem like a natural response in a lot of situations, but there are a lot of things that we do naturally that we know are just not the best way. Let's return to our dog metaphor, because I've been around dogs that do all kinds of things that you could argue are natural. They jump up on people Maybe they bite someone that they don't trust or they hump somebody's leg. I mean, you could argue that those behaviors are just totally natural. But we teach our pets not to do these things because we don't want our friends and neighbors to hate our guts. Ultimately, untamed behaviors, however natural they are, cause people to keep their distance from us. They keep us at arm's length because they don't know what we're going to do. We're unpredictable. We're wild. We're untamed. And so this takes us back to the question we asked last week of what do I really want? What do I really want? Do I want to just do whatever comes naturally? Do I want to be free to live as as wild and untamed as I'd like? Do I want to just do whatever feels good? If so, then we can feel free to continue complaining and gossiping and swearing and being sarcastic and pushing our unsolicited opinion on others, we can do that as, as freely as we'd like. But if what we want is for our words to have weight and impact, if we want people to lean in and listen to us and respect us, if we want our words to influence our situations and our relationships, then we have to learn to wrangle this naturally wild animal of the tongue of our communication We have to try to tame the beast and ask ourselves this question, is what I'm about to say helpful? Is this helpful? 
I mentioned earlier that sarcasm was one of the first things that came to the surface for me in high school as a beast that needed to be tamed. And it wasn't until I engaged in that process that I realized just how wild and powerful that beast was. And I have to tell you that back in high school, I was known for my sarcasm. But I'm glad to say now, 16 years later, that I'm not known for that anymore. In fact, those who know me well will tell you, I very, very rarely will let a sarcastic comment slip out. And if I do, it's usually followed quickly with an apology. I'm sorry, I don't know why I said that that way. That's, that's not what I meant. Or that wasn't a productive way to say that. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And 16 years it's taken to get there. And it still slips out from time to time. And just as James said, this is a beast that is untamable. But it's worth the effort of doing everything we can to tame it. Because my life is better on the other side of 16 years of taming the beast of biting sarcasm in my life. My life is better for it. And I believe that if you and I ask ourselves this question, is this helpful? There are many, many things that would naturally flow out of us that will get caught and we'll have to step back and look at it and maybe decide to keep it to ourselves because we realize it's not helpful. It's part of our wild beast that needs to be tamed. And so I encourage you today to, to try this. Cast this net for yourself. Put this filter in place. Write it on a post-it note on your computer, on your keyboard before you post something on social media. Write it on the back of your hand. Embed it in your memory. So that today, starting today, you ask the question, is this helpful? And just see, just see what kind of things get caught in the filter. You might be surprised. You might be surprised at what it is that is coming out of you that has always felt totally natural, that you realize isn't helpful. And it's an area where God wants you to work, to wrestle that beast and get it under control, to tame it. And so again this week, there are discussion questions available in the show notes on jessalston.com on the listen page. You can find those there. Download those. Talk with a friend or your small group or your spouse or just read over those in some personal reflection time as you ask this question, is this helpful? Is what I'm about to say helpful? I really believe that if we do this, it will shape our communication in ways that will make our lives better. It will lead us to be people that people want to listen to. People who, people lean in to hear what they have to say. Our lives will be better for it if we invest the work and tame this beast. So thanks so much for being here today. I do want to take a moment today to say thank you again to all of you who have supported the podcast in so many different ways either through your generous donations on the donate page on jessalston.com or through giving it a star rating. If you haven't done this, this is a really easy way to support the podcast. If this has been a blessing to you or meaningful to you, uh, we'd love for you to go to iTunes and give it 
a five-star rating. iTunes uses that information to promote the podcast to people who haven't heard it before and spread it around. And so that's just a simple, easy, quick way that you can support what we're doing here at Dig Deep. So thank you so much for being here, for all your support, for your words of encouragement, and ultimately for listening and for joining with me in this journey as we learn to tame the beast. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. Thank you.